We have been introduced to Gideon, who is now further into the judges of Israel. And like I told you, there's this cycle happening with Israel. And you may look and read judges and say, Israel, you guys are such dummies. But remember what Paul said about God's word. God's word is a mirror that shows us not about the characters, but who we are. Right? So when I read about Israel and I see a cycle happening, I have to look back at my life and say, do I have this sin cycle in my life? The cycle that says, God, God, help me, help me. Alleviate my physical being. Alleviate me. And then the Lord says, I love you very much. I will help you. And the moment he helps me, I say, oh, oof, I will worship you forever. Now let me find my idols. I'll be right back. Right? And then I go back into my cycle and I look for my idols. And, and like I was talking last week and the week before, sometimes our idols are things like uh, the things we worship. Like we might need to watch the news all the time just to know what's going on, you know, to be relevant. But sometimes that news overcrowds God's word and we're not relying on the Lord. I'm not saying the news is bad. I'm just saying most news is bad news. So, you know, how often do you, do you watch the evening news and walk away and say, this world is fixing up. <laughs> we're doing all right. <laughs> I, I don't think I've watched the news and walked away thinking everything is okay since I was a little boy. Now there's two things going on. The Lord told us that this world will get worse and worse until it's like the days of Noah. And we're not there yet. So the days of Noah were probably pretty bad that the Lord wanted to um, scrub the earth clean. Okay. And another thing is happening, which is apart from the Lord, there's very little good, right? So we see nations going away from the Lord. We see, uh, you know, all of these wars, rumors of wars, which the Lord Jesus himself told us would happen. So uh, some of us may be anxious. We may see these things and think to ourselves, I've got to dig a bunker underneath my house. You know? I know. I know some of you guys, right? <laughs> And you're stockpiling. And those things are fine. You know what I mean? Like, if, hey, if you want to dig a bunker underneath your house, that's cool. Makes another bedroom, right? <laughs> so, but at the same time, is your reliance on the Lord? Okay, so we catch up to Gideon. And this cycle continues and keeps going on. After every single um, judge, they're okay while the judge is there and the judge is in charge. When that judge dies... All of a sudden, they go back. They run back to idols. So, you know, I was talking about one idol, the news. Sometimes our idols could be social media. Sometimes our idols could be friends. Sometimes our idols could be pornography and, and things that get pretty ugly and dirty, okay? Sometimes our idols could be substances, things that help us to feel better. Like all you essential oils people. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm only playing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but I mean like things that make you feel better. Like some people, you know, it might be alcohol, like a type of, of you know, even be whatever. It might be, you might run to that. It could be a drug, a substance, you know, everything from what they class as, oh, this is okay, helps my glycoma, whatever, 
to everything that it puts you on the streets and kills your body away. These are idols. They're idols in our lives if they are put above Jesus Christ. So then we see the Israelites do this. We find Gideon. We find Gideon. The Lord catches up to Gideon. It says the angel of the Lord. And like I told you before, this could be an indication that it is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon. And why we can assess that is because this angel, and we're going to see, uh, doesn't mind Gideon worshiping him. He doesn't mind uh, Gideon offering sacrifice to him. We know that when other messengers come, like Gabriel or any other messengers that come to share God's word, when a human being bows down to them, they say, get up, I'm not the one to worship. Now, when the angel of the Lord comes, like in the burning bush for Moses, what does he say to Moses? Take your shoes off. You are on holy ground, right? So we see Gideon talking to this guy, and this guy is telling him God's word, and Gideon is having a hard time believing him. So last week, we w walked through Gideon's first question, where Gideon, uh, the Lord says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. So Gideon, Gideon refutes both of those things. He asks questions about him. And we must remember that when we ask questions of the Lord, we can ask the Lord questions, but we need to check our own hearts. Are we questioning him to discredit him so that we could continue on our merry way in our sin? Or are we actually asking a question because we want an answer? Because we want to understand the Lord who we bow down to. And the Lord is okay with us asking him questions, but be ready for the answer. Remember Habakkuk, you guys may pronounce it differently. Habakkuk asks the Lord, Lord, look, there's all of these sins happening in Israel. No one follows after you. The evil seem to rise up and they accumulate wealth. Lord, what can we do about these things? And then the Lord says, I'm going to answer you, Habakkuk. I'm sending Nebuchadnezzar. Now remember, when you ask the question, you may not like the answer, right? Lord, what is going on in our country? Look at all these people. They run from you and they run into the darkness and they, they enjoy the darkness. And the answer may be the Lord saying, hard times are coming, but I will purify. Right? Habakkuk didn't like that answer. He said, I'm bringing Nebuchadnezzar in all of Babylon. They will be my threshing tool. And after I'm done with my people, my Israelites, they will not bow down to another ever again. See, the Israelites, um, they were so, so good at uh, worshiping idols that now when archaeologists find remains of Israel, they find idols, and Yahweh's things. So they've come to assess that, oh, the Israelites actually didn't worship one God. That wasn't what the, you know, they don't follow what the Bible says, or the Bible is wrong. The Israelites had, they were, they were polytheistic, right? But we know that the Lord was like, no. So all that shows us is that Israel had disobedience 
that we can see in the ground, right? So while they're saying, no, no, the Bible must be wrong, we say the Bible was right. He kept telling them, stop worshiping these other things. Why? Because there was a problem. Even while they were wandering through the desert, we're told they carried idols with them. Even when Moses said, get rid of your idols, they're like, okay, we'll get rid of a couple. But the rest I got in my back pocket, just in case, you know? That we won't be like that. That we will say, Lord, I'm yours and yours alone. And we have to continually check our lives. Like the psalmist says, Lord, search my heart. Find any offensive way in me. So we see that this angel says, the Lord is with you. Gideon says, I don't know if God really even cares because, you know, we were told about all these stories, but where is he now? Right? Verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. So, so God's answer isn't like, okay, sorry, Gideon, let me explain this to you. Let me explain this to you. You guys have sinned because the Lord has already explained this to them. If we look at the very top of chapter 6, it says that, um, so Israel was reduced uh, when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, verse 7, verse 8, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of, the sla out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord, your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened. So Gideon knows the prophet came and told them, you're going through these hard times because you're being disobedient. But just like disobedient children, which we've all partaken in, <laughs> whether you remember or not, your parents will remember. Sometimes your parents don't remember and they see your children and they say, whoa, you were never like that. You know, you were so easy, you know? But listen, I know I was naughty, right? I wasn't the naughtiest because I'm one of seven, right? There was always somebody to hide behind. <laughs> but I know what I did. You don't, you don't have to convince me that I was naughty at times, that I didn't listen to my mummy at times, you know? So you don't have to convince me about that. Some of us might need convincing. Some of us think we're perfect, and that's all right. If you think you're perfect, ask your best friend if you've never made a mistake. Or maybe if you're married, you can ask your, your spouse if you've ever made a mistake, your girlfriend, boyfriend. They'll be honest with you. <laughs> Am I perfect? <laughs> In fact, just accept that you're not perfect and don't ask people that. <laughs> right? You don't want to the, catch the onslaught. Okay, so he asks, does God even really care? And God doesn't really answer his question right there. You know what he says? I'm sending you. You're asking me what the problem is, and I'm giving you the solution. I'm sending you. It's like our old boss, you know, when, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Juan and I, we used to work construction. So, so 
Pastor Juan started construction way before me. He's my older brother. He started working in the building trade in New York City when he was 13 years old, you know, part-time. It wasn't like they threw him to the streets. You can't go to school anymore. You got to work with this guy. You know, it wasn't like that. You know, they were child labor laws. Um, <laughs> so, but he started when he was 13, and I started when I was 16 because I'm the younger brother, so I sat in the lap of luxury for a little longer. Uh, <laughs> I'm only kidding. Uh, I started when I was 16, but there was something that one of our bosses always told us. We'd say, hey, boss, this has gone wrong. And he, he would commonly say, all I hear are problems. I don't hear solutions. So it started us thinking that before we go to the boss and say, this is the problem, what do we do? We say, boss, this is the problem, but we think we should do this, this, or this. What should we do? And he was a lot happier with that right? So the Lord is sitting there, Gideon, I hear what you're saying, your problems are, I'm giving you the solution. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. So sometimes when we ask the Lord, 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 what's going on in my life? And the Lord's like, worship me. No, Lord, you don't understand what's going on in my life. I'm giving you the solution. Worship me. And sometimes we don't listen. So, um, so the Lord said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, this is his second question. This is his second question. How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. So... He, he's doing that. He's got that Moses vibe, right? What did Moses say at the burning bush? Now, when you translate it to the Hebrew, like out of the Hebrew, it actually says this, right? The Lord says, Moses, I'm sending you. Moses says, send anybody else, right? Like, whoa, that shows that you don't want to be part of this plan, right? If I go up to somebody and I say, can you can you sweep the hallway for me? And they say, find anybody else. <laughs> okay, that tells me you don't want in. <laughs> okay, right? That's what Moses was like. Lord, find anybody else. I mean, on the other side of the mountain, there might be this goat herder. Go check with him. And the Lord's like, fine, I will send your older brother Aaron with you. Right? I'll send him with you. All right, fine. After a little while, fine, I'll go, right? Gideon's kind of the same way. The Lord's like, I'm sending you. You're going to be the next judge. And Gideon's like, me? Come on, bro. <laughs> Let's be real. I come from nobodies, and I'm the nobody of the nobodies, right? Now, he may be, he may be being polite. Right? He might just be saying, oh, no, no. You know, like when you ask people, do you want a drink? And they're like, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. And you're like, are you sure? Would you like a No, thank you. No, no, please. And then the third time, would you like a drink? Yes, I would. Um, I'd, like, um, I'd like three teas, thank you. <laughs> you know? It, it, he might just be being, like, culturally kind and, and humble and... I don't really, I'm not really getting that from this text, right? I mean, he's like, this is what he's saying to the Lord. 
I don't think you know what you're doing. Has anybody ever thought that about God? No, you don't have to be honest here. We'll throw stones at you later. Let's be honest. I've even thought about that. When I was younger and the Lord was like, this is what I'm reading God's word and this is what I need you to do. And I'm like, do you even know my life, Lord? Like, let's get back to the honesty. I mean, I know right now we're in church and we're pious and we all love Jesus 100%. And man, we read our Bibles every day. In fact, we take a break from reading our Bibles to go to work. You know what I mean? That's how much we read our Bibles, right? So let's just take a break from being super pious and think to yourself, have I ever felt like this? Or have, have you, do you feel like that right now when, when the Lord is saying you're going through trouble and the Lord tells you what you should do? Like when the Lord says, and you're like, Lord, there's this person and they just keep hammering me and they're against me and they don't like me. And the Lord's like, love your enemies. And I'm like, do you even know what you're doing? <laughs> like, what do you, love my enemy? No. I need some knuckle dusters. I need, I, Lord, you know, let me, let me translate for you. Knuckle dusters are brass knuckles for the, those of you in, in the United States watching on the live stream. All right, so I need some knuckle dusters, right? Or, or Lord, I just need you to do what David asked you to do. Break their jaw, knock the teeth out their mouth. That's all I'm asking, Lord. It's not a big ask, right? And the Lord's like, no. I want you to show humility. I want you to love them. I want you to pray for them. And we're like, do you even know what you're doing? Do you even know what you're doing, Lord? You may watch the news and see what's going on in this world and think to yourself, Lord, do you know what you're doing? Because this isn't the way I would do it, right? This isn't, this isn't what I would do. So Gideon feels the same way. Gideon says, listen, bro, you want somebody to go fight the people who have oppressed us because there are so many of them. They swarm our land like locusts. And you want me, little old me, to go fight them? Yeah, I don't even have an army. Have you noticed I'm in the bottom of a hole? Getting some wheat? Like, wrong dude. <laughs> wrong guy. I don't even work out. <laughs> you know, like, you, you can have every excuse before the Lord. And you know what? It's okay to feel that when the Lord is calling you. But I would say, submit it to the Lord. You can feel like you're not worthy. That's okay. Because the fact of the matter is, is, we're not worthy. When the Lord calls us to something, he's not calling us because we are great or because we have what it takes. It's because he is great and he has what it takes. And he wants to use vessels like you and me. I remember when it, it's over nine years ago, it's, it's almost 10 years that I had a conversation in my kitchen with the founding pastor of this church. And he said, Dave, I'm leaving. The Lord has called me to another place. I'm leaving. And I'm sitting there thinking, I've had this nightmare before. Next, this guy's going to ask me to be in charge. 
And he says, Dave, I think the Lord wants you to take it. He wants you to carry the work. And I've told you before, I jokingly said, oh, you're leaving? I'm leaving too. And then I started putting fleeces out, just like Gideon. I said, Lord, if you want me to do this, man, my wife's going to come through the door right after work. She's an A&E doctor, man. So when she comes through the door, man, <laughs> she's stressed. Not really. She's just processing. She's just seen a whole bunch of people that need help. She's helped them, you know. You, you understand, you come home from work, you still have the stresses of work. And I said, man, I'm gonna hit her right when she comes through the door. See what she says. <laughs> hey, Pastor Rich <laughs> wants me to take the church. What do you think about that? And she just looks up at me and she goes, praise the Lord. <laughs> we'll do whatever the Lord wants. And I'm like, woman, you ain't working with me right now. <laughs> I'm trying to find ways out. You know, like I could go before the Lord and say, you know, my wife, I got to take care of my wife. And she don't really want this, Lord. You got to give me some backup prayer right now. Right? And she, she wasn't doing that for me. And she says, praise the Lord. So I knew fleece one. Okay. Right? A couple, couple people said they were going to leave the church if I was in charge. I don't know why, <laughs> because I didn't have like bad blood between these people. Like I was a normal guy that came to church just like them. I had served for four and a half years lovingly, hoovering and everything, you know, teaching some Bible studies, washing the toilets, you know, I was doing my thing, right? And I remember this one guy was like, if Dave takes the church, I'm, it's going to crumble. This is what he said to the founding pastor. It's going to crumble within a year. And I was like, and then the founding pastor told me that. And I'm like, thank you for telling me everybody that has confidence in me. Because I have so much confidence in myself. I'm like, whoa, 100%, right? But you know what? As I read God's word, this, is, this was exactly how Solomon felt, right? Now, if you read in God's word, when, when David comes to the elders and he says to the elders, I have chosen Solomon to take, and I'm not saying I'm Solomon, no way. I need more gold for that. So, <laughs> but but it's, it's beautiful to find somebody in scripture that you can identify with, right? You can identify with them. And I remember reading, hey, David went to the elders and he said, I'm putting Solomon on the throne. Now you have to understand Solomon doesn't know the difference between inside and outside. He doesn't know the difference between day and night. Like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, like, what he's saying is like, he's, he's young. He, is, he doesn't know anything, right? He doesn't know anything. And then when the Lord talks to Solomon in his vision, what does Solomon say? Lord, you have told me to lead these people, and I don't know how. I don't know how. I need your wisdom. That's what I need. I need you to fill me with wisdom. And then we find in the New Testament that in James, in the book of James, that if, if we lack wisdom, it says we can ask the Lord who holds all wisdom and he doesn't look down on us. He doesn't say, who's your daddy? 
let's check his, oh, let's see your credentials. Let's see, uh, do you come from, from uh, you know, the right bloodline? The Lord doesn't do that. It says he gives his wisdom freely to those who ask, right? That's my main backup right there. You may ask me, Dave, what should we do for this? And I've told you in the past, in my mind, I'm saying, Jesus, fill me with your wisdom because I don't know. And even if I do know, I will send us down the wrong path, right? Men make plans in their hearts. God knows them all. It says men choose the way to go, but in the end it leads to death. I don't want to go there. Lord, you lead, right? That's the secret of it all. You may not feel fit to do what God has asked you to do. Good. Great. You're at a great start. I once said this to a pastor in my first year. I said, I have no idea what to do. I don't know what to do with the Lord's people in Birmingham, in Calvary Chapel, Birmingham. I have no idea. I'm just crying out to the Lord. And he said, perfect. Never move from that spot. Thanks, bro. I thought you'd have some tips and tricks. <laughs> Maybe some pastor hacks. <laughs> like, but no, he just said, perfect. Never move from that spot. And it's the perfect spot to be in. To say, Lord, I don't know, but you know, right? So he was picking Gideon, and hopefully Gideon would know that he just needed to keep his conversation with the Lord going and his obedience with the Lord going forever, right? So he chose somebody who knew he was weak so that the Lord could be strong through him. So then the Lord said to him, he says, I'm the least, I'm the least. And, and his statement was true, okay? So, so in other words, before the Lord, Gideon's family was the least. We're going to find out in a, couple of chapter, in a couple of verses, Gideon's family were actually idol worshipers. They were idol worshipers. Uh, Gideon's going to get a nickname from an interaction he has. We won't go into the nickname or anything like that. He's going to get a nickname because... His family, who are Israelites, worshipped Baal. They worshipped Baal. And um, they were known for it. They had a shrine outside, a huge shrine outside. And they worshipped Asherah, which were Canaanite gods. So he's like, listen, Lord, I don't even come from people that worship you. Like Abraham. Gideon, um, the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, Show me a sign to prove that it's really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. So the Lord's like, okay, right? The Lord says, he answered, I will stay here until you return. So Gideon still has some unbelief. But the Lord's like, all right, I'll play along. I hear you. 
you don't really know me. I'll get you, I'll, I'll let you get to know me, right? So the Lord is kind towards Gideon's unbelief, just like Jesus was kind towards John the Baptist's moment of unbelief. I'm always, um, I always have to step back when I read that portion of scripture. When John the Baptist is in prison, he, he's about, he's going to lose his head soon. And I don't mean like he's like, you know, like, he's going to go nuts. I'm going to lose my mind. You know, no. He's about to have his head on a platter. Okay? He's in prison. And then he sends some of his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah? Or are we waiting for somebody else? And Jesus could have been like, John, out of all the people, bro, come on, man. Like, you're the guy who announced me. You're, you're the prophet who, who's made the way for the Lord. And you're doubting? Come on, John. Get a backbone. <laughs> right? He could, right? What were the things we would say? John, for real? <laughs> you know, everybody else out here is down to me, and now you too? Come on, John. You know what? Disciples, stay here. I'm going to go visit John myself tell him a thing or two, right? No, that is not Jesus's heart. That's not Jesus's heart. Jesus answers them. He says, go back and tell John pretty much what it says in the scriptures, I am fulfilling. Go tell John. And then he says, from John, out of men born from women, there is no one greater. Now, who knows anybody not born from a woman? A man not born from a woman. Anybody here? No? Okay. No aliens. Okay, good. Um, so it, he, he's saying out of everybody on earth, out of every man on earth, there is no one greater than John. But the least in my kingdom will be greater, right? And then he, he starts talking about John. Did you go out? Did you go out thinking you were going to find a weak man out there? No, John has prepared the way, Right? He's kind, he's kind to John. He reassures him. And then he speaks kindly about John. That's the savior that we follow. Even when we are faltering in unbelief, that savior comes to us and he says, come on, I love you. I'll take care of you. Get up. Let's walk. Right? So, um, so Gideon, the Lord is kind towards Gideon's unbelief. The Lord knew Gideon's heart because even though he was struggling with unbelief, he knew Gideon was sincere. He knew he was sincere. Gideon hurried home, verse 19. He cooked a young goat with a basket of flour. He baked some bread without yeast, so flat bread, then carried the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot. He brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. So we can see Gideon's sincerity, right? Gideon goes and gets a costly gift. We know that Israel is starving at this time. We know that this amount of bread could have fed a family for a week. And he's bringing a goat. That's meat. I mean, I know some of you guys don't eat meat. That's cool. I do. <laughs> And if you have any spare meat laying around, I'm in. Okay? So that's a side note. <laughs> but that's expensive. 
he brought him an expensive gift because, because even though his belief isn't there, he's sincere, he wants, to, he wants to talk to the Lord. And sometimes our hearts are there. We, we, we may not have full belief, Lord, I'm having trouble believing that you're going to use me because I'm a piece of junk. <laughs> but Lord, I want to trust you. So I'm bringing my worship. I'm bringing my worship. So if, if you go back to the root words of sincere, it's in Latin, um, and it, it goes to uh, no hypocrisy in it. There's no acting, no play acting. So Gideon is not acting um, like, he, like he wants to hear. He's actually somebody that wants to hear. He's being genuine, okay? So he's being genuine. So, you know, if we go back to the word sincere, the word sincere is like, uh, goes back to Latin in a Roman way. It used to be used with pottery. So like if, if you wanted to sell your pottery or your sculptures or your clay and you had some cracks in it and you wanted it to hold water, you would rub colored wax into the cracks so nobody could see the cracks, right? But everybody knows that if you put that wax out in the sun or you put hot liquid in there, um, that wax isn't gonna stand up, right? So then potters would put sincere, without wax, so that you would know this pot doesn't use wax in the cracks. It is a true pot that can hold water. It is not an imposter, a fake pot that's saying it can hold water until it goes to a, a, a hot temperature and melts out and then doesn't work or falls apart, right? So to be sincere is genuine. To be able to do you know, that work without having problems. So just, just a little bit more. So Gideon hurried home, he cooked that young goat who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. Oh, so there's instructions. I came to bring this to you to eat, <laughs> right? And he's like, no, nah, put it on the rock, put everything there, and then pour the broth over it, okay? And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Right there, Gideon understands, I was talking to God. I don't know if you've ever have been a waiter. I've been a waiter before, but if I brought a plate to a table, and then all of a sudden somebody touches it with his cane and it goes up in flames and they disappear. I say, there's something strange going on around here, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> something strange is afoot, right? <laughs> right. So um, Gideon also felt the same way. <laughs> he just thought, oh my word, holy moly, <laughs> whatever he said, right? So the fire appears and the Lord disappears. This showed Gideon that he was actually talking to God because that's what Gideon wanted to know, 
right? He said, I want to know if I'm really talking to God. I'm going to go get you an offering, and then you show me if I'm actually talking to God, right? When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. <laughs> I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. So they knew that if they come face to face with God, they are dirty. God is holy. He is set apart 100%. Remember when Moses said, Lord, I want to see your glory. And the Lord's like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. I'm a, you go up to the mountain. I'm going to hide you behind a rock. Don't look directly at me. After I pass by, I'll let you know you could look at my afterglow. Why? Because God's holiness cannot be near sinful beings. That's why Jesus had to come and clean us. Can't be near sinful beings. Now, it's not like that cartoon where, like, the elephant sees a mouse and goes, ah, and runs away. It's, do you guys, have you guys ever seen that? You know, where, like, the elephant's scared of the mouse? That's not God with us. Like, God doesn't come into the room, ah, you're dirty, and he runs off. No, no. He does it because all sin will be consumed as a fire before him. So if I come face to face with God in my flesh, I can't take his glory. This body can't take his glory. That's why he's going to give us new bodies so that we can dwell with him. So that we can see his Shekinah glory. That means that glory that's in that glory that's in the holy of holies. It says his glory shines so much when we read the book of Revelations, there will be no need for the sun because the light will shine from him, from him on his throne. So don't worry about the sun burning out. <laughs> don't worry about it. God's got this. And, and that glory we can't see. So he knows, I saw God. And he echoes exactly what Isaiah echoes in Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 7. It was the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook and the temple, the voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man and I have filthy lips and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. So it's right of them to believe that, right? Gideon's all like, oh no, I actually was sitting here talking to the Lord and I didn't believe him. I'm dead. I am so dead, right? It's all right, the Lord replied. So then the Lord speaks to him and says, it's all right. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. 
The altar remains in Ophrah, in the land of the clan of Ebiezer, to this day. So if we, if we were at peace with the Lord, so Gideon understood something. God was not against him, right? God was for him. We're told in the New Testament over and over again that the Lord is not against you. He wants to be for you. And he provided a way out for you. And that way out isn't a hidden door somewhere in a city on the earth that we need to find. It's offered to us freely and his name is Jesus Christ. He offered a way when there was no other way. There wasn't another way. There wasn't the ability for another plan. God knew we couldn't do it, so he did it for us. He did it for us. So shalom is, means more than just like um, peace from, from fighting, right? It doesn't mean, it, oh, stop yelling at me. All I want is peace, right? Shalom is, is greater than that. It actually speaks of um, not just peace among us, but the ideas of well-being, of health, of rest, of prosperity, right? That's what the Lord wants for our lives. Now, I'm not talking about, like, whenever we hear prosperity, we think, yeah, money in the bank, man, prosperity. But the Lord's like, no, I want you to prosper in the work that you're doing. I want you to prosper in your relationships. I want you to prosper in your relationship with me. I want you to feel whole because I'm with you. I want you to have rest because you know that I give you rest and I'm walking with you. I want you to have peace between us and God. And listen, if we have peace, so peace comes from trusting God through Jesus Christ. That's how true peace comes. Romans 15, 13, it says, I pray that the God, that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, which leads me straight to Romans 10, verse 9, right? Where it says, if I confess with my lips that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. God says, we're at peace. We're at peace. And as we walk with the Lord today, if you have come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, if you have been made into a new creation, guess what? You and God aren't fighting. Though at times you may feel like you're fighting, you're not fighting. You're good. You're okay. Now, there may be things that we have to get right, like it says in 1 John 1.9, which I quote often because it is my saving grace, right? If you have any sin within you, confess it to the Lord, and Jesus Christ, the righteous, will make you clean. Man, I need that every day. Every day, if we're honest with ourselves. I know, I know there are some people that sit there, oh, man, I've only sinned once this month. That you know of. <laughs> yeah. Ask all the other people you've been walking around. You'd sin against them. And your pride is sinning against the Lord right now. Right? Man, I sin. I don't even know I've sinned. So I need Jesus to make me clean as I confess. And I say, Lord, I'm all yours. 
100%. Like with Jesus, sometimes we think, man, I came to know the Lord. Like, guys, honestly, I prayed with my mother at three years old. Now I'm 26. It's been a while, right? No, I ain't 26. I'm 44. Okay, so, so that means I prayed to accept Jesus 41 years ago. Man, I'm getting old, right? 41 years ago. Did you know that I have had to tell Jesus I love him more than just that day? Sometimes in relationships, we're just like, yo, I told you I loved you 41 years ago. When something changes, I'll let you know, right? That's not how it is with God, right? I have to continually say, God, I am all yours. Today, I'm all yours. And when I wake up the next day, Lord, I don't know what this day will bring, but I am all yours. 100%. I'm all yours. I'm going to meet you in your word. I need you to speak to me. Repair me, Lord. I'm broken. I need you. I need you. Right? We have to be, we have to know that we need the Lord. We can't just sit there. We have to make this into a, it is a relationship, but we're the ones that are bad at relations. Right? Oh, God, it's been like 36 weeks since the last time I talked to you. Really? <laughs> really? Come on. It's not that hard. It's not like you have to go visit somewhere. He's right there walking with you. Just talk to him. Just talk to him. Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. Sometimes we hear that and we're like, oh, man. Man, I got to become a monk or a nun. I better go find a monastery or a nunnery. Which, I'm sorry, outside of Britain, they're not called nunneries. (laughs) They're called convents. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's funny to call it a nunnery. <laughs> That's where all the nuns go. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry, side note. Okay, I got to go find a convent. Um, so that's not what the Lord's asking us. The Lord's saying, I want you to walk with me in this world. You are in this world. You are not part of this world but I want you to be a living sacrifice in this world. It'd be much easier if we just came to the Lord and boop, he brings us to heaven. All good. I'm in paradise. It's all good, right? But the Lord's like, no, no. You're going to work your salvation out. You're going to work your salvation out down there. You're going to have a relationship with me. You're going to get to know me because the day you meet me, you will love me. Because we've walked, we've talked, I've helped you, I've brought you through, and you'll know me, right? I want to know my Savior. Easiest way to get to know him, read his word, live this life, be obedient to the word. You'll get to know him. He'll deliver you. He'll lead you. He'll let you know. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. Those of us that have come to you through Jesus Christ, we have peace, Lord, that we would rest in that peace, knowing that you are our Sabbath rest, Jesus. And we thank you for that. Lord, those of us that struggle with questions, which are most of us, like Gideon, when we're growing in you or when we're getting to know you, Lord, that you would be faithful and answer our questions and that you would Be faithful like it says in your word, and you would empower us and enable us to walk this life for you. 
Lord, that we would continue in our acts of worship, Lord, as we hear your word and as we live it out. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.